Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. It's a size em up Monday, Garrett. <laughs> 16 to 10 win over the Cleveland Browns. I don't care if it's ugly. The ring still looks beautiful. Yeah, that's how it. That's kind of the message that John Harbaugh delivered to the team after the after the game. I mean, not necessarily pretty or perfect, but you can figure out your issues after a win. It's a lot easier to take a look at that film and figure out what's not working you, when you do it with a smile on your face yep. and you're sitting as the top team in the AFC, which is where the Ravens are right now. And uh, I know that game was once again nerve-wracking, was not a relaxing end to a holiday weekend. <laughs> but at the end of the day, people are going back to work today with a smile on their face because the Ravens are the best team in the division and the best team in the conference. Well, that's the kind of the question, right? And we'll get into that. But, you know, just another insane, improbable win. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Ravens became the first team in the Super Bowl era to win a game in which they scored fewer than 17 points, had fewer than 325 total yards, and threw at least four or more interceptions to their opponent. First ever. Teams were 0, 275, and 1 in that scenario. So, you know, it wasn't just like they turned the ball over a lot. The offense also just didn't score. It wasn't a shootout in which you just turned the ball over a lot. The offense didn't score many points, didn't move the ball a ton, and turned it over, and still were able to win it, uh, really, because of the defense. Ravens defense, a huge performance. Um, But before we get into that, I mean, let's just recap here, Garrett, okay? Because I think there's there's just a series of, of improbable things that have happened is it improbable or unprobable improbable m i think it's m i am improbable thank you light on sleep um (laughs) (laughs) um but i mean look i'll i'll run down the checklist here real quick and and i'll admit it okay i'll admit my predictions have been terrible this year every time i think something's gonna happen the opposite (laughs) all year long i mean i thought let's let's run down the list i thought that Uh when the ravens had that string of injuries Right, preseason injuries, JK, Gus, Peters. I, I thought that they they'd be scraping by, you know, just fighting for a wild card spot, kind of around five hundred for much of the year and just scrapping. You know, yep. like like would be fortunate to be, to get in the playoffs after that string of injuries. That mm-hmm. was even before Ronnie Stanley was out for the rest of the year that I was thinking mm-hmm. that way. Right? Mm-hmm. And here they are at eight and three, first place in the AFC after week twelve. Right? Yeah. Did not expect that. Okay, did not did not expect the Ravens to come back from the twenty some point deficit against the Colts and win. I mean, thought that game was over, right? Yeah, thought they thought the Chargers game would be you know really close, whatever blowout, <laughs> right? Didn't think the Bengals would smoke the Ravens, but they did. Didn't think the Ravens would come back twice from fourteen point deficits against the Vikings, but they did. Thought we clobbered mm-hmm. thought we clobbered the Dolphins, get blasted down there. <laughs> didn't think that the Ravens could win without Lamar Jackson, the way he's been carrying them. Thought, if Lamar's not on the field, I'll be honest, they don't have to stand a chance. Tyler Huntley says, nah, Snoop gotcha. Win in Chicago. Did not think the Ravens could throw four interceptions, and without Calais Campbell, who's been their best defensive player of the year, their best defensive player so far this season, stop the number one rushing attack in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Thought they were going to run all over the the Ravens without Calais Campbell. Nah, stuff them, beat them. 
I mean, uh-huh, uh-huh. goodness gracious! You, if you said before the game that the Ravens are going to that Lamar is going to throw four picks and the Ravens are going to win, be like, no way, no way, right? Well, how about this? How about this though? If you say before the game that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for thirty-six rushing yards, are you saying that's a blowout Ravens win? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's yes. this game was just it was just and I, I I get a lot of what you're saying. I mean. You go down the list. Did, did you even mention the Chiefs game? I don't think you did in your in your right. little mini rant there. I don't even know that you mentioned the Chiefs game and the crazy right. the circumstances crypto, around the that one. Beaten, you know, throwing off the kryptonite. Yeah, especially especially when you were down late in that game. Yeah. Um, but this game just like it, it was just a, a weird game. It didn't really have. I, I don't feel like it had a great flow to it because um, there was just it was you would so get the ball turns. back. There's so many turnovers. The offense would kind of move the ball, not great, but turn the ball over. And the defense was just playing lights out the entire day. It just, and then there was just weird, chaotic stuff like that, you know, that fake it's punt fake that was punt taken sequence. off the board and all that. Like, there was just kind of some chaotic times a lot of, a lot of during referee, the game. Questionable referee moments. Yeah, oh, reviews where you're like, oh, okay, that one's not going to stand as a touchdown. Oh, it stands. Okay, all right. I guess I guess that <laughs> makes sense. So, so it just it was a, it was a weird game. And then like once again, it's the fourth quarter and everyone's on the edge of their seat, waiting to see if the Ravens are going to pull it off. And they did. I mean, what was different about this one is that the Ravens were were basically winning the entire game. They were winning, and they just were. They never put it away though. And you're just kind of there was like so many times in the game where you're like, all right, got the ball back, let's go here, march down the field, make it a you know go up twenty to three, here or whatever, go seventeen, up 10, go up ten, whatever, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If go Ravens, go up ten. Like make, if the Ravens could get up ten, it, it was game over. Exactly, and just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Like that one series in the fourth quarter, they get the ball and it's three and out, and you're just like. Oh gosh, this game is at that at that point. If I wasn't already convinced, I was like, okay, it's just not, it's not going to be easy. It's just not going to be easy, yep. and um, that's just how the whole the whole season has gone. I'll, I'll tell you, it was a game of hot potato there at the end of the first half. Which you want the ball here? You take the ball. No, 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 no. You take the ball. You take. You take. <laughs> Each quarterback game of hot potato with the turnovers. This wild. Well, I mean, that, that yeah, like there was that play where um, it was the Jarvis Landry. No, it was the Baker where he the ball just slipped out of his hands. There, honestly, it's all starting to run together here. Like you said, well, it, start, it started the with the where, Jarvis Landry away, but then the, rocking him. Yeah, what was it? Two play the the next play or two plays later when Lamar threw the pick? I think that was after two, the Baker two fumble. Two plays yeah, later after, after the, away. No, two plays later after away, Lamar threw it the pick. Then okay, they come, okay. yeah. Then, then the his very next throw after that pick was also an interception. Next yeah, throw, yeah. You're, I was like just getting the tweet out, you know, of the highlight of the of the fumble that the defense had. You're like, all right, okay, we're going back the other way here, going back the other way. Hope this tweet sends out before. Uh, <laughs> hope this tweet processes before the pick is live on TV. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, another another wild game, and I think the question now is, you know, the Ravens are sitting eight and three, best in the AFC. Are the Ravens the best team in the AFC? Truly, that's the well, question. I think. Yeah, and I think that 
you're gonna look, a lot of people are gonna look at that and say that watching that game last night didn't feel like I was watching the best team in the AFC. Didn't right. feel like I was watching a team that is gonna cruise to the Super Bowl. But I would say, I mean, my argument is is yes, and it's the simple kind of you are what your record says you are. And the Ravens have beaten a lot of good teams. Like that's one thing that I think that the Ravens don't have many pretty victories, but they've got a lot of victories against good teams, and you can run through them. Um, Chiefs, Colts are good. Vikings are a good team. Chargers, I think, are are a good team. Um, and Browns, I think, are a good team that they have. Yeah, they have issues right now, but that I still think that they're a good team. So I think they've got a lot of wins against good teams. I also mm-hmm. think that if you go through and you look Broncos at are playing the other team ball right now. Yeah, like who? So okay, if it's not the Ravens who are the best team, who who is it? Is it the Titans, uh, who, you know, are well, are they're dealing with major injuries, right? Major injuries. Are they the best team without AJ Brown and Derrick Henry? Uh, I, I don't think so. Is it the Patriots? Patriots also lost to Miami. Uh, I know they're red hot right now, but the Patriots have you know bad losses on their resume, and the Ravens have a better record. Like I just don't think that there's this this perfect team on in the NFL right now. I, I really don't think that there's this like shining star. And we've kind of had that. I feel like in recent years, it's been the chiefs. And then in 19, it was the Ravens. The Ravens were the best team and they just cruised throughout the regular season. And then in 20, it was, you know, it was the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one, I don't think is at that level so someone's the best team, right? Someone's the best team. <laughs> and I, I I think that I would default to the Ravens who have the best record and a lot of good wins. I think that it, it's a debate that we, of course, have and fans have and media has, you know, because you look at the standings after 12 weeks. But that, those standings really don't matter, right? It's about being one of the best teams to me. You know, it's, it's about being one of the – honestly, it's about being one of the seven best teams, Right. Get in the playoff. You got to be one of the seven best. That gets you in the dance. And then the best team from there doesn't always win. Like we said, 2019, the Ravens were the best. Didn't win. Didn't win at all. Last year, the Chiefs didn't win at all. They were the best team. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the best team debate doesn't really matter. Now, I, I, th- I think the Ravens are not the best team. Just, I, I just think they're not. And that's, so and who that's, is? And that's fine. I mean, I think, I think probably right now, I think the Bills are probably a better team. I think the Patriots are probably a better team right now. I think the, the Bills, Chiefs, the Bills who lost to Jacksonville, team. right? I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, everybody's had some ugly losses, and everybody's flawed, right? I think the Ravens are probably a little more flawed than those teams are, but it, it doesn't matter. I don't care, you know. The, the Ravens also have like some unquantifiable things that maybe they are more banged up or don't have the roster or whatever, or like. But they have some unquantifiable grittiness about them that some other teams don't, and and they're winning these close games that some other teams aren't. And that matters for something, right? That, like I've said, the belief that you can come back from anything, any circumstances, Lamar Jackson can be out. Whatever, we'll still win. Calais Campbell can be out. Whatever, we'll still bottle up their, their running game. Like, that means something. That's powerful. You know, but when you look at it objectively, the Ravens, there's six teams in the AFC who have better point differentials than the Ravens. Six teams, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Patriots have the best at plus 146 the bills are at plus 144 right behind them the ravens are at plus 23 
plus 23, which mm-hmm. is better, by the way, than the Titans, who are plus 14, who are in second place in the AFC. You know, so it's just, mm-hmm. you know, the Broncos have a better point differential than the Ravens, and, and point differential doesn't say it all, but... Yeah, since when did point differential become the uh, golden standard no, here to no, determine... I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it is the golden standard, but, like, there's a lot of different metrics, and, and on, you know, the, what, football outsiders, you know strength of team or whatever it is like they do have their metric i bet on every metric the ravens are probably not the best team in the afc i would be willing to bet that like i said Mm -hmm. i don't care i i i really don't care it's about getting wins the ravens continue to do so they are a flawed team some of those flaws are not going to be covered up but heck other teams have flaws too like you said so you just keep piling up the wins and let the chips fall where they may I was reading Peter King, uh, his column this morning, and you know, I think that we all kind of make the mistake after every game of of extrapolating what that means for the rest of the season. Uh, this team's a pretender. This team's yep. a contender. This team's done. And totally. We all do that. You know, we we have them size them up Mondays every Monday after a win, right? So <laughs> we're guilty as well. And he made the point that at this time last year, going into December, the Steelers were eleven and zero. They're undefeated. Um, the Bucks last year, I think, were, were had lost two straight games, and there was lots of talk about how their offense was out of sync. And they, I think, they were seven and five at the time. Their offense was out of sync, and um, they just didn't seem to be gelling in the in Tom Brady's first year there. So things, even though we we have uh, twelve weeks of the season down, there's still a lot that can change over the final month here. And, like, the table is set, but I I don't think by any means, like, we know exactly how this thing is going to play out, especially in a year, like I was saying earlier, where there is kind of so much more parity, it seems to me, where there's not one dominant team. Um, And as we've said all year, and it continues to be true, this, this final stretch here, as you look at the Ravens' final six games, it's, it's tough. Um... And they're, it's going to decide it, obviously. Yeah, well, that's why I think this win was so big, was to put the Browns in a hole and kind of turn this, in a way, into a bit of a two-team race in the AFC North. I'm not going to say we're there quite yet, but we're teetering on that. You know, the Browns are now sitting at 6-6, six and six, the Steelers 5-5-1. Five, five and one. I mean, the Browns have three more losses than the Ravens at this point, and the Ravens have three more wins than the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Bengals are a really good team. I think they proved that with thumping the Steelers on Sunday. Part of that is in large part because they're really, really healthy. Gosh, go look at their IR situation. The Bengals. Mm-hmm. They have like six guys on IR. None of them are like total game changers at all. The Ravens have three mm-hmm. times as many. It's un- It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm um right and, and right. so that's really playing a huge role in the Bengals being so good now and they're a good they're a very good team they got a lot of talent so yeah don't want to take anything away from but them, like right? I said earlier I mean that like that's and I'm not obviously wishing for anyone to get hurt but those things can change also you're healthy and then until oh, totally. you suffer a significant blow and then your season can can change rapidly and I think that's kind of that's kind of the point when you take stock of where the team is at this time of the season, even though only there's six games left. I think that sometimes those things tend to even out 
Not not entirely. I think the Ravens are still going to be one of the most injured teams of the season, but right. I do think some of that has evened out. You know, I, I don't oh, think yeah. you're going to get any sympathy from Titans fans. Right. Yeah, the tit- Titans fans aren't going to give the Ravens any sympathy when when they're looking at Derrick Henry and AJ Brown on IR. Yeah, but here's the the situation: the Titans have lost two straight. You know, with those guys yeah. on IR, right? Like they have oh, not yeah. been, including to the Texans, they have not been able to handle their injuries as well as the Ravens have, and. Mm-hmm. That's you know that speaks to the Ravens and and who they are, what they're made of, their depth, their player development, and having the next guy ready to play up to a standard that is winnable. The next guy might not play yeah. up to a standard that is as good as the you know the guy that left. You're going to take a hit, but they're playing at a winnable level, and that's what you want from your backups. You know what I liked about the game last night is kind of talking about people picking picking others up. Uh, the defense in a game where Lamar Jackson had one of his worst games as a pro, um, the defense picked him up, and and that was there was kind of a lot of talk of that after the game. Like, how many times has Lamar Jackson picked this team up in his right. career? Right, so many, so many times has he kind of said, "Everyone, jump on my back, and I'm I'm carrying this team." Well, last night it was the reverse where he was struggling, and the defense took care of business and. I know the Browns offense has issues and Baker Mayfield's playing hurt and they're not really a high powered unit right now, but they didn't run the ball at all and a day where Calais Campbell was out. And it just was a it was the kind of defensive performance that I think that this group needed. AFC North football, they said we're not gonna let you run it down our throat. We're gonna contain the best running back duo in the league. And they did it. And yep. and stopping the run has been a challenge this year. And they didn't give up monster plays. A couple medium plays. No no super big plays. A couple medium plays. Nothing on um, the ground. And I, no, no, nothing on the ground. Nothing on the ground. A couple through the air, but, you know, that's that's kind of expected. Um, and they just played a lights-out, lights-out performance. Well, John Harbaugh called it one of the best defensive performances he's seen in a while here. When you got Ray mm-hmm. Lewis on the big boards... Up in the suite, you know, one more stop, one more stop. You know, like, <laughs> that was cool. That was that was cool. And and like Ray was into it, man. That was Ray's kind of game. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, a reporter after the game saying Patrick Queen looked like Ray Lewis hitting Eddie George shooting through the gap there in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, coming back from a that was Sal Palantonio, Sal Palantonio, who said that. That was Sal. Yeah. Pal. Sal's seen um, a lot of football. He, he has. He, I, I mean, let's just shout out some of these guys, and we'll start with Patrick Queen. Uh, I mean, also to, to get rocked in the ribs, have to come out of the game mm. momentarily, and then go back in and still make in a tackle for loss after that. I mean, that dude looks like the, the player the Ravens thought they were getting in the draft, right? Yeah. The Ravens drafted him saying, here is a super athletic, fast guy who's just going to be all over the field making tackles for loss, you know, being around the football like good blitzer, get pressure, all that stuff. Like just, just let that guy see ball, get ball. And right now, like in his new position, that's what it looks like Patrick Queen is doing to me. It's not as much of the the processing, you know, it seems like he's just able to kind of read and react really quickly and now, and not just be in his head so much. And you're seeing that athleticism pop off the tape. Yeah. I mean, he, he was all over the place. He was shooting gaps. He was always around the football. And one thing I thought was kind of interesting, earlier in the week, I asked him, like, do you feel like you can just kind of 
some of the weight is lifted off your shoulders playing in this position and you're playing better and do you feel like that's taking some of the pressure off and he was like honestly not really because i know what the standard is here at linebacker right and the standard is the guy that you just mentioned who was on the big board there you know when the ravens needed to stop and they're showing ray lewis on the board and the crowd's going crazy that's what people are used to watching here they watched it for 17 years so a bit of an unfair standard uh i'd say however that is the standard and then you know cj mosley played inside linebacker here and was excellent so there's just been great inside linebacker play here and and patrick queen after having a rush rough patch earlier in the season is now playing like that playing up to that standard but in a different position that's what's interesting like he's not playing the same role it's not middle linebacker he's not the middle linebacker like i think the ravens you know envisioned when they drafted him was him being that guy right like the next ray the next cj you know being that middle linebacker and that's what position he was in and it just didn't suit him very well and and kudos to the ravens for not just kind of continuing to run him into a you know run into a wall here and saying Mm -hmm. we need to change things and help him out and put and try something else and they did and he can play like that kind of linebacker just in a different role right and yeah and so i think it's it's the past four or five games for patrick queen have been awesome to watch another guy who's been awesome to watch odafe owe stud (laughs) stud i think baker mayfield is still running from odafe owe he was mm-hmm. probably looking over his shoulder on the team plane on the way back. He's like, where is that guy? I know he's <laughs> yeah. here somewhere. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious. Can we play every game on Sunday Night Football just so we can watch OA blow people up? He's been great. I mean, the dude, there was a couple plays where, I mean, the sack on, on Landry was one of them, where the guy just never stops running. And and I do remember that was like one of the – one of the draft notes about him, mm-hmm. nonstop motor, finishes every play. You saw that in training where, camp, too. I mean, he yeah, would like always he would, chase he, everything down. Yeah, he would be chasing down like a running back 15 yards down the field. Um, but there was a couple plays where he would get around the tackle, but a little bit wide. And so Baker would step up. And then ba- he just kind of did the the loop and kept cruising. You know, he kept ch- he never stopped running. And, uh, man, what he had, he had a sack, force fumble, fumble recovery, yep. a bunch of other pressures. Yep. He is making a strong case for defensive rookie of the year. I was watching the game on Thanksgiving and I know Tony Romo was talking about his Dallas Cowboys and saying, give Micah Parsons defensive rookie of the year. He deserves it. Micah Parsons had a great season, but Romo, you're forgetting no way because that guy has been a force all season long. Calling out Tony Romo. You should add him on Twitter. Just add him. Call him. I love Romo. I love Romo. Hey, Uh, but can't forget away in the season he's having in that defensive rookie of the year race. I, absolutely. I think it's a two horse race in that. And, and Odafe has uh, talked about that, you know, how he's competing with his Penn state buddy, you know, they played together and competed at, at Penn state. And now they're competing again in the NFL. And I'm sure they're texting each other this morning as we speak, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, talking about that game. So really cool to see him continue to develop. And then the other, the other guy I want to shout out on defense is Tyus Bowser ended mm-hmm. the game. Ended the game two straight games. Had the sack to force the, to uh, prevent the Hail Mary in Chicago on Andy mm-hmm. Dalton and then closes it out with a fourth down tackle on David Njoku uh, to, to beat the Browns. And, and talk about another guy that's doing everything is everywhere. I mean, goodness gracious. You see on that last drive, you know, the Browns have the ball back with a, a minute or so left. No timeouts, have to score a touchdown. And you see Tyus Bowser out running with Jarvis Landry on a route. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like, oh my goodness, what a spot to be in, and blanketed, blanketed. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, guy. I know. It, it's really. I was thinking about this last night. Tyus Bowser is a case in point not to write off players too early in their career. I mean, second round pick who through his first two, three seasons even like just didn't didn't do a lot. I mean, I remember writing stories about how Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams, it was like a put up or shut up year, right? Mm -hmm. Going into their third season. And he just didn't do a lot. I mean, a rookie three sacks played in every game, three sacks and one pick. So, okay, not bad as a rookie half a sack his second year. Then third year, 2019 kind of gets it going with five sacks and you see, all right, this guy's got some juice coming off that edge. Then last year just shows really his coverage ability. Three picks. Uh, I mean, one of the best shows he's one of the best coverage linebackers. And the Ravens re-sign him. And my goodness, that looks like a great move right now because Bowser is doing everything. Yeah, also great value on the signing too. Oh, yeah. And 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 that's where you, you give Eric DaCosta a ton of credit for for signing a player who's highly productive at you know, that's the old right player, right price. I thought Marlon Humphrey had a, you know, really kind of honest quote about it yesterday after the game he said man it's been great to get drafted with him in 2017 it seems like these past two years he just kind of all of a sudden went crazy kind of turned into that household name that we all knew we wanted to be when you first get drafted and you want to stay with a certain team forever so I I think that like other players recognize that too and it's kind of like all right kind of slow to get going and then I think part of it is Tyus improved he developed and then the Ravens also kind of found creative ways to use him. Like, there's not many outside linebackers in the league who are applying pressure on the quarterback and then covering a wide receiver 30 yards downfield. Yeah. Uh, that's just not happening. There's probably one guy that's doing it, and it's and it was the number one receiver, you know? And there's probably one guy that's doing it, and that's Tyus. And John Harbaugh, we talked about it on the podcast last week after the Chicago game, talked about how Tyus is playing as well as any linebacker in the league in terms of what the Ravens ask him to do. Yeah. And we saw that again yesterday, and he's he's been excellent. Um, so Should we have Tybo on the pod? Is Tybo our guy this week? Maybe. We've, we had him Maybe on this right is the after time. we signed the contract extension, I believe. Um, right, right. But it might be time to, to run that back. I don't Ooh. know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, All right. I, li- I like where you're thinking. The edge rushers, I mean – you know, there's been a lot of talk about losing Matthew Judon and the way he's playing right now in New England. He's just been lights out, huge hit up there. And, and then last night, I think it was on the broadcast, they're giving the Ravens props, you know, or maybe it was on Twitter, I don't know. But it's just like, yeah, they lose edge rushers, they lose Darius Smith, they lose these guys, and then they just keep bringing more in. You know, it's the next yeah. guy. And it's just become this factory. And I think Ravens fans, it's interesting to see that from the outside perspective because Ravens fans, I think, have been pretty critical of the rate of Baltimore's edge rushers and their pressure ability to get pressure. And last night, you know, Baker's a little hobbled, but it, I tell you, that's a good offensive line. And that offensive line also got away with a number of holding penalties, just throwing it out there because it's mm-hmm. true. And, <laughs> and, and still the amount of pressure created from those edge rushers is impressive. I mean, you look at Bowser and Oway for years to come in this defense now it's exciting it's an exciting duo and i'm i'm pumped for dalen hayes to get on the field too this is a guy that people haven't been talking about fifth round pick out of i think fifth round out of notre dame who's been banged up all year john harbaugh said he still can come back this season 
And I'm telling you, there were points in training camp when I thought Dalen Hayes looked like the better pass rusher than Odafe, and who had a fantastic training camp. But Dalen Hayes was really good. Now you're stepping into the hyperbole territory. No, I'm serious. I, I thought I thought Hayes had a really good camp. I mean, that little dip. I thought he was good. Under, that but little oh, up and under. Oh, it was so good. He was really good. Oh, it good. was so good. Dalen Hayes looked – I thought – I think that guy is going to be a good player. I'm just saying. Putting it out there. All right. Before we take a break, let's get into this email here. This one comes from Corey Alexander. He says, can we please put some respect on my dog Brandon Williams' name? I know he's not the player he was when we signed into that big contract years ago, and I'll be the first to admit that when I heard Calais was going to miss last night's game, I had flashbacks of when the Browns ran all over us the first game we played against them in 2019. Ditto. Uh, but Brandon came in and reminded us who he is last night. We completely shut down the running game, and I know it's not all because of Brandon, but after missing three games and coming in and still not missing a beat, it's pretty impressive. So please give him the roses while he's here. Uh, yeah. So pretty, yeah, I mean, I agree. Brandon had a, a strong game. Obviously, when you, you totally uh, take away their running game like the Ravens did. Hold on, I'm trying to pull up the stats as I'm talking here. How many yards did they have? 40 on 17 yeah. carries? That's crazy. Yeah. Brandon Williams had a tackle for loss. Really good game for Brandon. They they definitely missed him. Um, but I don't want to take anything away from Justin Ellis. Jelly Rose. <laughs> How long it does it take until my nickname becomes Jelly Rose? I'm getting. <laughs> You're it. on your way. I'm on my After way. After Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, I'm feeling like it. Um, yeah. I mean, just yeah. Give him credit. Give Justin Matabike credit. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yes, and Brandon also deserves some roses for sure. I mean, there's a mountain of evidence that shows the Ravens are a better team when he's on the field than when he's not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when Calais, it, like. You don't want to be without both those guys, and it was a—it's no doubt a blow to lose Calais, and I think we were all kind of crossing our fingers going into the weekend that he'd be able to go, and just wasn't. But you get Brandon back, and and I think that that helped the the run defense, no doubt, no doubt. But you know, John Harbaugh, like you're saying, also pointed out the other guys that have been in that mix too, and Jelly being one of them, Matabike, Roderick Washington, so. Um, when you're talking about a run defense, I think it's kind of an all hands on deck effort. It's that yep. that's not like a one guy situation similar to like a corner shutting down a number one wide receiver. Yep. You need all hands on deck. We already talked about Queen, guys setting the edge, all of it. So um, just a great job overall uh, by the run defense. So all right, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into the offense. Sunday is right around the corner. Draft your lineups now to feel the sweat with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the Baltimore Ravens. Life is more fun when you have skin in the game. Download the DraftKings app to check out all the action and daily contests. New users enter code FLOG when signing up to get a special offer. That's code FLOG and get a special sign-up bonus. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, so we've talked about all the good stuff with the defense. Now we're going to get into the little bit more of the ugly. Uh, <laughs> Lamar's four interceptions, the most he's ever thrown uh, in the NFL. And the most he's thrown since his last game of college. Uh, what do you make of Lamar's picks? Are you concerned moving forward about them? Just what's, what's, what's your alarm level at here? I'm not concerned moving forward because I don't think that that's necessarily something that like translates from one game to another. I thought that most of them were, one was tipped. The others I think were bad decisions. 
Um, what one was? It tried, seemed like tried there was to force two into Mark Andrews in tight coverage. Yeah, and I think one of them on the on a throw to Mark Andrews was there was just miscommunication. He thought Mark was going to break in. Mark Mark didn't, and so that seemed to be just kind of they weren't on the same page on that, which you almost never see with those two guys. Um, so I'm not necessarily worried about it as like a theme or a trend moving forward. I was worried about it last night. No <laughs> doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that like to me, Lamar looked like a guy who hadn't played in uh, a few weeks, uh, which he hadn't. Um, hadn't played since that game, that Thursday night game in Miami, and then in the middle of that, missed the game because he was really sick. He and he looked like it. He looked like a guy who'd been who was who was rusty and had been sick. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with his performance, but it just seemed that way. Um, and yeah. I, I think that he does what I will say from a trend standpoint. I will say that he has to do a better job in close games like this of protecting the football. Um, because there were some situations where you know the Ravens could have put the game away if they go like we talked about earlier if they go down and they get a they get a score, and they just kept giving it back to the Browns and allowing them to hang around. Luckily, the defense got it done. But I, I think in close games like that, you're not going to win many of them if you're careless, careless with the football. Yeah, and he, he can't he can't do that in those close games. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Lamar just needs to play better i think he i think last night was a little i I think the game plan was that they were going to get the ball out fast they were he did not feel comfortable they knew that that pass rush with miles garrett and jadavion Clowney against big al and and mccary was going to be tough and and it was get the ball out fast try to negate the pass rush with that and i think that that isn't really what lamar wants to do (laughs) exactly you know um and they were throwing a lot of zone coverage that i think kind of made Lamar really take pause, especially after you throw a couple picks, then you really don't want to throw a pick and you're not, you're just a little more gun shy. Mm-hmm. I thought there were some throws that he, he just kind of didn't make the read fast enough and, and there were openings and not throwing with as much anticipation, I think as he needs to, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like throwing to a spot rather than having to see the guy open and hit him. I I think he just, and that's, I think, part to your rust, maybe. You know, just missing practice time, all that stuff. Like yeah. Missing the reps, missing game time. And you're just not quite as, you're not feeling it. Like, I think we've seen with Lamar, he's can be a mo, he is a momentum kind of quarterback at times. I mean, Joe was very much that. I don't think Lamar's quite as much as Joe was. But every player is. You kind of get on a heater. And Lamar right now is kind of cold. He's just just kind of cold. <laughs> like he, mm-hmm. and, and I think the slow starts have contributed to that. Um he he needs he needs to get off to a, a good start in a game, and I think that can really kind of springboard him a little bit because right now, I feel like he's playing a little bit. He's not sure of himself in the passing game, is what it looks like to me. And I think that there was just a couple of throws that were off, not a ton, but but enough to create either a incompletion or a turnover. And I'll point to two. One was the long throw early in the game to Hollywood down the sideline, just ends up overshooting him a little bit not a ton but a little bit and the other one was the reverse could have you know split the difference was the interception of mark andrews mark andrews had a step on the defender under throws it a touch and ends up fourth interception yeah yeah and then that ends up getting picked you know split the difference on those two and, and i think that probably is part of the rust factor that i was talking about yeah i mean he has nine interceptions in his last five games yeah um 
And he well, and, and what you got four and one, so right. that makes that number look a whole, look really right, bad. But still, but still, I mean, it's two against the Chargers. You know, he didn't have one against Cincinnati, despite that being a tough game, but was under fifty percent completion percentage in that game. Uh, you know, then two picks against Minnesota, one against Miami in, in what was the worst offensive game of his career as the offense as a whole, you know, not mm-hmm. just him. But when you when you have back-to-back games, when you say it's the worst offensive game of the Lamar Jackson era and then the worst game of Lamar Jackson's career against the, the Browns, you know, throwing four picks, it's not – you don't want to keep, keep saying worst. Yeah. We need, we need some best in here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just think that he, he's got to play better uh, point blank. And he knows that, and he can certainly get to that. I, I don't, I don't think like you said, each interception is its own thing. Like I don't, I don't know that there's an overarching trend um, to the interceptions, other than he, just gotta play better, like make better reads, all that stuff. Yeah, well, obviously he knows it. He tweeted after the game, "I'm getting back in the lab." Flock WTF, uh, <laughs> and then a couple other hashtags. But so he's he's well aware of it with the puke emoji. Um, or the sick face emoji. Um, but the other part of it too is like this year, the Ravens don't have the run game to lean on as they did earlier in his career. Yeah. Like you go back to 19, like they could just, they could just maul teams on the ground when yeah. they run in behind Marshall Yonda and Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown and just that great offensive line. And with, with, you know, Mark Ingram playing at a pro bowl level and Gus the bus. So, the run game's just not the same this year. So if if the passing game is not sharp for whatever reason, well, they can't say, all right, this is going to be a ground and pound game yeah. where we just hand the ball off to J.K. and Gus and let those guys go to work. And that's the reality of being a team that has your top three running backs go on IR before the season. Yeah, I mean, I think what's happening is the Ravens aren't getting a lot in their run game on first down, really. So the Ravens are facing a lot of second and tens, second and nines, third and third and longs, and then you are behind an offensive line that is banged up without Ronnie Stanley, that Lamar I don't think feels super comfortable in, and that limits your you know when you have to get rid of the ball that limits quickly or, or take a sack that limits your plays, right? And he just doesn't feel comfortable. So like you saw last night, I mean it just looked like he was he, trying to extend plays running around. I mean it was like scramp backyard. It looked like my Thanksgiving game of football <laughs> um you know running around trying to make some plays pointing guys to where you want them to run i mean that's kind of what the offense was last night in all honesty there wasn't a whole lot of like yep that's how we drew it up you know mm-hmm. um so give give lamar credit you know he makes the huge play on the touchdown throw that is just unreal i mean that's that's what makes lamar so special even when he's having a rough night a guy can make a magical play at any time I mean, just a, a a ridiculous play throwing the ball thirty seven yards for a thirteen yard touchdown, and and by the way, Miles Garrett hit his arm as he threw that touchdown pass. Yeah. Um. So that you know, it's kind of like you kind of Lamar, you you ride with him and you die with him sometimes, you know. And 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 luckily he had enough magic last night to still make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And and like I said, I mean. We've talked a lot about the running game over the course of this year, and it's just what it is. Like that—that's just what it's going to be the yep. rest of the way. I, yep. We're not going to see like I, I don't think there's ever going to be a situate a, a point where the Ravens kind of unlock a new dimension of the running game, and all of a sudden they're <laughs> gashing teams on the ground. Yep. They're going to be a team where it's 
or it's tough to run effectively. And, you know, eight yards on first down is going to be, it felt like in 19, that was just the expectation. You know, well, it was like, said, all right. That's what we said in the press box. When Freeman got outside for an eight yarder on first down, we were like, everybody was treating it like it was a 50 yarder on. Like, <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. It's going to be, it's going to be more of a slog. And then you're going to have to get it done in other ways. And the Ravens, for the most part, have, but it just puts, I think, even more on Lamar Jackson's shoulder in the passing yeah. game because you can't lean on the run game quite as much. And then defenses don't have to sell out to stop the run quite as much. So they can play a little bit more coverage. Yep. And there's just kind of a ripple effect with all of that. And I think that maybe goes to some of the anticipation that you're talking about. Maybe guys aren't quite as wide open as they had been previously. Um, so I think that he will snap out of it, but it's not going to be easy, especially, you know, next week you're going up against the Steelers. They got a lot of talented players on that defense. So one of the worst run defenses in the league, though, if there's ever a time for the run, the run game to get going even a little bit, this is it. I know that's what the stats say, but I just don't run defense in the league. I know that's what the stats say. And, and maybe, maybe they're going to be able to put up 200 yards on the ground next week, but I just have a hard time seeing Cam Hayward and and that defensive front get gashed for a huge game on the ground. Well, that's because you're always scared of the Steelers. So I understand (laughs) where this is coming from. You're always scared of the Browns. You're always scared of the Browns. You thought there was no way they were winning that game last night. Yeah. Well, you said it was going to be a a two score win. So yeah, it was two field goals, two victory, two (laughs) field goals. I was correct. Two scores. You're out of control. (laughs) I mean, and let's, let's also give Lamar his credit for what he's doing on the ground. I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's harder for all the Ravens kind of trickery and like the, what makes this offense tough with the RPOs and Lamar and not knowing whether he's going to run or throw, you know, that stuff is really hard to handle in second and five when you know, he's got to throw most likely in second and 10 or whatever, then it's a lot easier to bottle up, but he's still running in those situations. And so, like, give him credit, you know, 17 runs for 68 yards last night. Like, those were big plays for this offense. Some of his runs were really big plays. Um, so I, I don't want to take away, even though he had a tough night throwing the ball, like, he's still running the ball a lot and and making things happen. I mean, against Minnesota, 21 for 120. Whew. Yeah. No joke, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. G- give Lamar credit for making some of those plays also. The last guy we're going to give credit to here is Mark Andrews who is a boss with a capital B, <laughs> a capital O, and two capital S's. A boss. <laughs> I mean, this guy, I, I said to you in the press box, after the Browns, I think it was their second interception they got. It was the back-to-back throws by Lamar, both picked. The second one, they ran everybody. They ran the trainers, the water boys. Everybody ran off the Browns bench to the, the end zone. And we're just flexing and like looking up at the crowd and kind of taunting the Ravens fans in the end zone. They had 50 people back there. Yeah. And Mark Andrews is walking off the field and he's kind of looking at it. And I said to you, I said, Mark is pissed. Mm-hmm. Mark, I, did you realize all four interceptions were on Mark, targets and Mark? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, and you know what's kind of funny about that? Is because early in the game when the offense was not doing particularly well. You and I said to each other, just throw it to Mark every single time. I want right. to see what happens when you throw to Mark 10 straight times. And I said, "How? at what point of that sequence does it get picked off? <laughs> well, we found out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I'll tell you, but the, the great thing about Lamar and Mark is they keep plugging away, man, and and made the Mark with the redonkulous one-handed catch despite the defensive pass interference, just scooping that. I mean, that might be the catch of the year so far. Eh, that in Hollywood. Hollywood's yeah. had a couple yeah, that are insane, but that Mark one's tough to beat. And the dude, to coin Ray Lewis since he was to uh, – not to coin Ray Lewis. What's to the quote? What am I looking Quote. Thank you. I'm not coining anything here. This has been said a lot of times. But Mark Andrews was pissed off for greatness last uh-huh. night. I love He it. was. You could see it. I mean, when he when he caught that ball with one hand, then he throws the ball up in the air, and then he scored the touchdown a couple plays later, and he tossed that one up, and he was basically like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. I'm going to make something happen, and he did. Yep. And, uh, you know, he didn't like that those guys celebrating on their field, but like you said, after the game, we got the dub. It's all that matters. Yep. So. Guy's, guy's one of the best in the game, and uh, he continues to play like it. Yep. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you later this week with a guest, maybe Tybo, maybe somebody else. We'll see. As always, you can uh, you can make some suggestions and reach out to us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net, and we'll be back with you later this week. Mm-hmm.